from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing October the 29th, 2017. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. G'day, Rob. It's been a while. It has. Welcome back. Great to be here. And hello, listeners. Hope everyone's happy and well and enjoying the lead into summer now. Yeah, I hope uh, Graham's well. We're having a a weekend off. I'm certain he's enjoying the lead into summer. That's right. Well, uh, what have you been up to, Brian? Lots of work, lots of study, lots of practicing things, lots of learning stuff. This new gig, I've been there for about a year and a half. So if anyone remembers, we had a bit of conversation about that probably last uh, summer, Christmas time, and we did a a few of those uh, broadcasts and, and since. So I'm a happy boy. It's um, less stressful than last place, so you can probably hear the smile in my voice. Yeah, can you hear the smile in mine too? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and well, I've been having fun too. We did the Marysville Blues Festival last weekend, and that was a... Uh, Very was a cool. Very, Very good. Cool. Okay, and we'll start with a discussion point. Radio amateurs should keep up with modern times, so says South African Radio League. Radio amateurs made their mark in history when they discovered worldwide HF communications while using radio telegraphy, which is the correct term for CW. Ten years later, they discovered VHF propagation beyond the line of sight to the surprise of the radio experts. Our early radio amateurs were true experimenters, researchers and pioneers, and they advanced amateur radio technology in their time. Today, many of our modern breed of radio amateurs are no longer interested in experimenting, but only having fun with radio as a hobby. As the SARL point out, many shortwave broadcasting stations have closed and commercial stations relocated to the satellite frequencies on SHF, where DSTV is well established. This includes the maritime mobile service that used many HF bands and radio telegraphy on their sea lanes until they also moved to satellite and now communicate via voice and digital. It's now the VHF, UHF and SHF spectrum that's now in great demand by the commercial radio world. All this does not mean that radio amateurs should abandon HF and CW, but rather we should try and keep up with radio developments to increase their knowledge in the VHF spectrum and the frequencies above where the future of radio lies, including the digital communications. The IARU is already concerned about the lack of interest in amateur radio by the younger generations, and if it stops growing, then its survival is doubtful. The younger generations are very computer literate and their interests are a lot different to the old timers of yesteryear and the RAE should reflect on it. Amateur radio service needs a renaissance. The first step is to break away from this hobby attitude and to realise that it's an amateur radio science which is to experiment, research and pioneer. Secondly, the amateur radio service should broaden its field to include radio astronomy for future space communications, which currently can cover communications distances of more than 21 billion kilometres from Earth. A wider radio field enhanced by the latest radio technology will be more exciting, attractive and have a far greater appeal to the new generations with their open inquiring minds. They'll become fully exposed to the new era of space travel within the next decade, and this could extend their lifespan of amateur radio service for another 100 years. It's an interesting idea. And I think we've got some more comments that kind of echo this and reflect backwards into some uh, recent history from David Ford. Yeah, reflecting backwards and forwards with David Ford, VK4MZ, WIA Vice President. Hello from David Ford, VK4, 
Mike Zulu. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Today, I bring you some thoughts on the future of the hobby. Heinrich Hertz proved the existence of radio waves in 1888, or in those days, Hertzian waves. And soon after, with the aid of his assistants, Guglielmo Marconi began to conduct experiments in his attic. At the time, Oliver Lodge had predicted that radio waves would only transmit up to 800 metres. As people experimented with radio, they gathered together to share ideas, equipment, their successes and their failures. They formed ad hoc groups that worked towards a common goal. Even Marconi, after sharing ideas with fixed-wire telecoms technicians, learned a trick. That by grounding his shack, he could extend the range of his transmissions. In the process, he destroyed the common convention of a limited 800-metre transmission range by transmitting over 3.2 kilometres. Within a couple of years, his experiments had taken the range out to 6 kilometres, then 16 kilometres, and from there, the hunt for DX was on. His first message was either accidental or profound. It was simply, are you ready? With that message, he changed the future of communications. A few years later, we see the first amateur radio experimenters coming together and forming groups, like the Wireless Institute of New South Wales and the now Amateur Radio Victoria. Fast forward some 75 years to the 1970s, and we see a groundswell around the personal computer. A similar story ensues. Groups form and collaborate to propel the technology forward. Ed Roberts and Forrest Mims bring to market a kit for a PC which can be built at home, the Altair 8800. Inspired by the Homebrew Computer Club, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs begin collaborating and building the Apple I. At the same time, Paul Allen and Bill Gates build the basic interpreter for the Altair PC kit. From there, they build Microsoft. Again, hobby groups form to share ideas, equipment, and to experiment. Humans have a natural percentage of the population who find pushing the boundaries of technology exciting, and sharing the experience accelerates results and makes it more rewarding. They form groups that prosper. 20 years later, in the 90s, it was the explosive expansion of the internet and a similar pattern forms. Hobbyists collaborate, form ad hoc groups and share experiences and goals. The same thing occurred around mobile technologies and open source software, and there are countless more examples. It is a time-tested trend. When it comes to experimenting with technologies, like-minded people working together towards a common goal always has and always will exist. It is an inevitable part of human nature and the progression of civilization. It's fun and exciting. It is the reason why many of our WIA-affiliated clubs were set up in the first place. Deloitte published a paper in 2013 summarizing the impact of the maker movement. It predicts that the maker movement will be a high proportion of the future workforce and that the maker movement is more influential in delivering market-transforming innovation than corporate-led initiatives. Today it is the maker groups, Fab Labs, Hackerspace, Hack Labs and Men's Sheds groups that take the lead. Hackers in these communities are not always someone that manipulates systems to perform nefarious and illegal activities. They are instead someone who can manipulate systems to do something out of the ordinary that they want them to do. 
typically with very positive outcomes. For example, Topher White of Rainforest Connection uses recycled mobile phones to monitor for illegal chainsaw activity across thousands of acres of rainforest to effectively reduce deforestation. Let's step inside one of these groups to understand how they form. Seabase in Berlin is regarded as one of the oldest communities in existence. It started from 17 people getting together to discuss ideas, work on projects together, and advance their collective skills relating to computer software, hardware, and data networks. They started to meet virtually in chat rooms and bulletin boards, and eventually gathered enough following to secure their own premises in Berlin. Here, they hold events, workshops, training sessions, run projects, and competitions. C-Space was the birthplace of a political party that won 8.9% of the vote in the 2011 Berlin state election, granting them 15 seats in Parliament. The groups form on their own. They are self-managed. They do not comply or operate according to an overseeing body. They move from meeting virtually through email and in private residential premises to having their own space. As a grassroots movement, securing space is a monumental step. In the USA, there is a company, TechSpace, that has commercialized the movement by charging for access to space and equipment to build DIY projects in a shared and supported environment. The current price for membership is between 125 and 180 US dollars per month. They have 10 locations across the USA and are expanding at a high rate. Marketing amateur radio to non-amateurs is like marketing features instead of benefits. Features only work with prospects that already understand them. Amateur radio is the hobby, the feature, but the benefit is working together on building and exploring exciting technology. At the most recent IARU meetings where they discussed growing the hobby, the feedback from youth observers was that the group should be supported to self-manage and self-organize, that they valued autonomy. Also, activities that were competition-driven were shown to resonate most strongly with younger groups and cause them to gather around a common cause. The Rotary-sponsored Rotaract group caters for 18- to 30-year-olds and is intentionally set up as being self-managed and self-governed. For Rotaract, Rotary merely facilitates as an umbrella organisation. Rotaract has almost 10,000 clubs, 300,000 members and 180 participating countries. So, is this the future? The WIA and affiliated clubs facilitating and hosting self-governed groups and clubs to meet physically and virtually? Facilitating the sharing of experiences, projects and equipment in pursuit of common goals? Pushing the boundaries of technology? Using modern communication techniques to rally, build communities, support interest in the hobby and explore new areas? Is it the future? Perhaps. Feel free to send feedback via email to vk4mikezulu at wia.org.au. This has been David Ford with a few thoughts. Have a great day. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Thank you, David. Now uh, from the WIA News and some feedback from recent broadcasts. It's been suggested that there be a reduced membership rate for those not receiving Amateur Radio magazine. This follows VK1 WIA News that the WIA Journal is going to be bi-monthly in 2018. 
reduced WIA memberships for electronic-only magazine access were trialled a few years ago and withdrawn as this didn't result in either increased membership take-up or proportional cost reductions. The only bankable cost saving is in postage costs. The cost of production and printing either doesn't change or due to the inverse volume related to the size of print runs, the unit print cost per magazine actually goes up. The WIA is running at a loss and the board has focused on major reductions in cost that can be achieved with near-immediate effect, such as reducing the number of magazine issues from 11 to 6 per year. A no-magazine membership class has no certainty around how many and how quickly WIA members would adopt this as their preferred option. Even if, say, 10% of members chose this option, it would take more than a year to take effect due to membership renewal cycles. Plus, the cost savings would be minimal at this percentage level of take-up compared to other available options to return to positive cash flow. The WIA board appreciates the opportunity to explain what may seem a simple matter, but in fact is rather complex when looked at in greater detail. Yes, and it is quite complex. The cost of the printing doesn't go down just because you're printing less copies because of the print technology that's being no. used. And it's nice that it's still around. You know, you've, we've got uh, interpersonal, we've got recorded, we've got uh, WA News, we've got hmm. blog posts, we've got entries on the website that get more fleshed out into the magazine, that get further discussed and put into the uh, WA News, that get feedback week to week as people may want to, hmm. uh, to respond to them, that... Yeah. It's one of many, many different mediums. I guess the print mm. print medium, there's print, web, mm-hmm. and of course video too. And the guys that do the um, monthly uh, amateur radio video right. shows have become quite popular as well. Mm. It's nice to have them all around still. And it's, uh, there's something special about holding onto a magazine, I think, from time to time. And well, that curation and somebody's correct. decided what sort of the vision of that uh, that collection should be. That's great. Okay, on to international news. With thanks to the IARU, the RSGB, the SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, WIA Local News Service, VK7, VK3PC and the worldwide sources of the WIA. Now we hear of an imminent shutdown of seven repeaters. South Yorkshire Repeater Group in the UK have taken the unprecedented decision in the ham radio circles to close down their entire repeater network. Due to a number of factors, they say that they cannot continue to provide the service, but that the move was not taken lightly and appreciate that this loss will impact an awful lot of radio amateurs. Unfortunate news. Um, More. The FCC affirms huge fine in New York interference case. The FCC has affirmed a huge fine of more than $400,000 on a Queens, New York man who has admitted to making unauthorised transmissions on New York City Police Department radio frequencies, maliciously interfering with officers' communications. The FCC had sent a notice of apparent liability last April 14th to the perpetrator, age 20, who's alleged to have transmitted false bomb threats, false claims of criminal activity involving firearms, false distress calls from purported New York Police Department officers and threats against individual NYPD officers. The unauthorised transmissions began in 2016, according to the FCC, and the FCC has calculated the precise forfeiture at $404,166. Rather precise, Rob. It is very precise. It's a good number, though. Down to the last dollar. Yeah. 
and news of uh, CTU's Secretary-General comments on amateur radio. Bernadette Lewis, Secretary-General of the Caribbean Telecommunications Union, was interviewed during the ITU's World Telecommunications Development Conference 2017 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. When asked how crucial is information and communication technology, that's ICT, in assisting countries to implement disaster risk reduction measures, Ms Lewis replied that ICTs are critical to the process in terms of the preparation, even as the disaster is happening and in the recovery. We've been contemplating the rule of amateur radio. For example, there's been a staple, a significant element of the communications that takes place during and immediately thereafter, and I think that in the Caribbean we need to cultivate a new generation of ham operators. I don't know if this is a situation across the world, but we absolutely need to do that. And uh, you can see more on that on the IIRU Region 2 website, and the link for that's in the text edition. Norway's National Amateur Radio Society, NRRL, report that they are now recorded in the Common Resource Register used by the main rescue centres and the police. Part of the NRRL report reads, a Common Resource Register, which is used by, amongst others, the main rescue centres and the police for an overview of the operational resources that can be used in various events, has been developed. The operational resources of NRRL are now registered in this registry, and the authorities can therefore easily get an overview of what hams can deliver in different crisis situations. In resource registers, resource owners and resource users exchange data on their capabilities and get an overview of available resources. By insight and common understanding of situations, resources can be exploited efficiently and one can achieve significant time savings. I'd love to see that list, Rob. That'd be good. Hmm. What sort of things are they, what, what resources and, and what's valuable to, it's nice to see that um, back and forth between the groups, not knowing what each needs and has, to see, uh, you know, those uh, unexpected little um, tidbits of uh, how we can help could be helpful here as well. Okay, we now move on to a roundup by radio. Yes, it's time to saddle up for this story, which combines ham radio and horse rescue for that tale. We turn to Mike Askins, KE5CXP. It's no secret that hams are good at finding things. There are the hidden transmitters deployed in fox hunts. There are missing persons at massive public gatherings. And then there's the story of Melody the Horse. The mare went missing last month from an Arizona campground near Sedona where a group of horse owners from Phoenix have been staying. This called for a very special kind of roundup. One horse and a team of amateur radio operators, including those from the Verde Valley Amateur Radio Association. The hams learned of the missing equine during a regular 7 a.m. meetup on the Knobby Knee Net. Net control op Bill Burkett, KE7IXS, took the radio call from one of the campers, Greg LaCrosse, K1GRL, and that set the search in motion, not just on the ground, but in the air, and yes, even in the saddle. Jeff Upshaw, KC7UYY, a local horseman rode out to the trailhead with other mounted searchers. Mike Mladijovsky, WA7ARK, flew in with his Cessna Skylane aircraft and took Melody's owner, Marcy, aboard. The team search had gone into its 10th fruitless hour when finally Marcy spotted her horse down below. And pilot Mike radioed the searchers on the ground. Kenny Westmoreland, KG7YVM, and Jeff hiked to a flat-top mountain where they caught up with Melody and led her to safety. And as in all westerns with happy endings, they headed off into the sunset. 
For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Mike Askins, KE5CXP. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. And thank you again to Amateur Radio Newsline. Now a 60-year celebration. Members of the Central Coast Amateur Radio Club celebrated 60 years since the club was formed at the Central Coast Leagues Club with a luncheon on Saturday the 28th of October. The club was formed on Friday the 18th of October 1957 and has progressed since that time. The club is geared up for their annual field day coming up WFD 2018 and will be held on Sunday the 25th of February 2018 and a further celebration will go on from there. If you're interested in presenting an amateur radio topic or holding a commercial stall, please contact them in the first instance via the information on their website. For those who participated last year and would like to do so again, you can expect a member to call you. The club hosts a number of 2 metre and 70 centimetre repeaters, as well as amateur digital TV repeater, APRS 23 centimetre, a linked radio to the Rilston repeater with IRLP node on 438.075, and further enhancements are now on the drawing board. The club can be contacted, and all those details are in the text edition of this news. Wow, a 60-year celebration, and the club formed in October 1957, six years before I was born. Congratulations to you, the members of the Central Coast Amateur Radio Club. OK, now on to Ham TV, and Ham TV tests continue over Australia. The ground stations in Australia are taking advantage to test their Ham TV equipment when the International Space Station is in range. On this broadcast, we told you how the very first live ham TV transmission received in Australia was by Tony Hutchison, VK5ZAI, while Italian astronaut Paolo Nespoli, IZ0JPA, rehearsed a presentation to the Italian Red Cross. That news immediately was shared with the other ground stations of Shane, VK4K8Z, Martin, VK6MJ, and Joe, VK5EI. As Shane, VK4KHZ, reports, he has observed Paolo walking away in Columbus module while the ISS passes over Queensland. The ham TV tests continue, giving the four ground stations an exciting time as they tune in. Thanks to Jim, VK3PC, for that story. Very cool news. We'll have to check that out, Rob. I'm sure it'll be up on YouTube soon enough. Yep. Now, ham radio operational news, and don't forget, it's a contact sport with all major Australian contest rules and results in the contest section of the WIA website. Now, Oceania DX contests, the logs are due. The biggest contests held jointly by the WIA and NZART are the Oceania DX SSB and the Oceania DX CW held in October. So far, 1,000 logs have been received, just short of the amount in 2016. The deadline for submitting logs is October 31st. Meantime, this weekend, the CQ Worldwide SSB contest is on, with the goal of making as many contacts with different DXCC entities and CQ zones as possible. On November 25th and 26th, the CQ Worldwide CW contest will be held, and many rare DX entities are activated, especially for the CQ Worldwide contests. So get out there, and get those logs back in. Yes, get the logs in and get on the air. Okay, 2017 Fist CW contest, October the 28th, the key to success. 
November CQ Worldwide DX CW Contest. That's on November the 26th and 27th and running all year till December the 31st is the Victorian Local Government Award 2017 Challenge. And looking forward to next year, the John Moyle Memorial Field Day will be held over the weekend of the 17th and 18th of March. Get that one into your calendars and a run from UTC 0100 on the Saturday till 059 on the Sunday. IARU HF Championships event on the 15th and 16th of July next year. And the 21st International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend will be August 18 to 19, 2018. And if you want to work Kuwait, be listening for Abdullah 9K2GS, who is here in the CQ Worldwide DX SSB contest this weekend, 28th and 29th of October. Be listening as the Liberia Radioman Association hosts three IOTA enthusiasts between the 30th of October and the 3rd of November for the first activation of the Bayer Island, a new IOTA designation AF111. Whole MM0NDX will operate as... EL2EL, David Dean, EI9FBB, will operate as EL2BB, and Jeremy Sheehan, EJ5GM, will operate as EL2GM. This is described as the first islands of the air operation from the island. The de-expedition call sign will be 5L2BI. So it turns out the Liberia Radio Amateur Association, the LRAA, has a Facebook page and uh, their own website, which is pretty cool. So I just had to look that up, Roll. I was really curious. Uh, now, Papua New Guinea, P2, Rolly is QRV as a P29RR until November 6th. Activity on 40 and 20 using CW, JT9, JT65 and FT8. QSL to the home call sign of ZL1BQD. QSL News and VI7BLT50 information needed. The VK7 QSL Bureau is holding a QSL card for a JA station for a QSO with that special event call sign VI7BLT50 50 years after the Battle of Long Tan. Would anyone knowing who may have used this call sign, please contact Herman, the WIA VK7 Inwards QSL card manager at the email vk7hw at wia.org.au. Now wireless weather, try some 50 megahertz skeds during the lightning season. This is what the SARL are saying in their recent news bulletin. The Johannesburg area apparently is renowned for their late afternoon lightning storms, so this seems to be a great time to experiment with lightning scatter propagation. Of course, only stations outside the lightning area would be able to participate, as those inside the area will have their antennas grounded, or at least they should be anyway. Clear FM broadcasting signals have been heard for about 10 seconds or so over distances of about 450 kilometres after lightning flashes during a distant thunderstorm. Skeds are being arranged in South Africa with amateurs outside the thunderstorm area, making brief CQ calls after a lightning flash or radio burst and listening during the next burst and so forth. It would be interesting to find out how directional the ionised trails of lightning are. So who would take up the challenge and establish that first lightning scatter contact on 50 megahertz? Kind of exciting, Rob. Kind of exciting, kind of scary. Imagine you're looking at your CW key. And your <laughs> sparking. Spit sparking. Looking out the window, sparking. That's right, indeed. Well, everyone loves a ham fest. 
And uh, the SARC, the Rosebud Radio Fest, here's some news from John, VK3MK. Hello, this is John, VK3MK, from the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, reminding listeners that the Rosebud Radio Fest will be held again this year on Sunday the 12th of November. In addition to a hall full of new and used equipment for sale, Forums will be held in adjacent classrooms. The event has full catering and there are great door prizes. For more information, visit www.rosebudradiofest.com. See you in Rosebud on the 12th of November. This is John, VK3, Mike Kilo. Thank you, John. Can't wait for that. That's down my way, down the peninsula here in VK3. Now moving to Media Watch, and here are some comments from Barry Robertson, VK3 PV, about the upcoming Amateur Radio Magazine. Inside the pages of Amateur Radio Magazine for November. On last week's broadcast, we told you how the magazine had in the WIA board's comment the call for volunteers and the coverage given to Amateur Radio direction finding. Now we will look at some of the other reading that is offered. In the editorial, Peter Freeman, VK3PF, talks about technology advances and the joys of noise, referring to the increased noise floor level. From the WIA QSL Bureau, John Siemens, VK3JLS, is the first of his semi-regular column devoted to aspects relating to WIA QSL Bureau as the WIA QSL Card Committee considers a number of issues relating to how possible improvements. An interesting story by Paul Rose, VK5NE, about amateur radio from retirement estate. A technical article by Jim Henderson, VK1AT, on the 35 to 4400 MHz signal generator. The Alara meet, held in tropical cans, has a report illustrated by 21 pictures. In contest by Trent Sampson, VK4TS, he names the contester of the month as Stu Dunk, VK4SDD, and includes a few tips on contesting. Also covered are the columns of WI Awards, DX Talk, Soda and Parks, VHF, UHF and Expanding World. The WIA Journal, Amateur Radio Magazine, is a WIA membership service. This is Barry Robinson, VK3, Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1 WIA. Well, we're at the end of the news, Rob, and if anybody has any news, send it through. Please do. And remember, when supplying Hamfest info, we can't plug commercial traders on air, etc., etc. There's a couple of guidelines in the text edition. Please take a look and uh, write it in the third person. Indeed. All right. Thanks again, Brian, for uh, helping out this week, and uh, we trust that Graham has had a... A nice week off. Thank you, Rob. Great to be here. Enjoy this uh, every time we get together and do the thing. And uh, thanks again to Graham for the opportunity. I hope he enjoyed himself and to the listeners. And like we say each week, we we report it, you decide. decide. We've reported... You decide.